Okay, so what we're going to be doing for lesson two here is we're going to be conquering what is often called the priestly code, Leviticus chapters one through ten. It's a good chunk of material here. Um, often, I mean, depending on what commentary that you read, uh, you're going to have commentators say that all ten chapters are the priestly code because the first seven chapters is about sacrifice, and then chapters eight, nine, and ten are about the ordination of the priests. And that makes sense because what do priests do but offer sacrifice? So the whole thing is known as the priestly code by many. Sometimes it'll be narrowed down, like I think your Navarre Bible calls just chapters 8, 9, and 10 the priestly code because it's about the ordination. But I think it's, it's true. Like the whole thing is a priestly code because priests offer sacrifice. So what we're going to be looking at is the sacrifices of Leviticus, um, what they are, the, five, the, the different kinds, there are five different types of sacrifice that are listed here in these opening chapters. And then we'll finish with the uh, ordination of Aaron, the high priest, and his sons, the priests. We're going to be looking at typology all the way through because that's what makes this stuff come alive is to see, all right, well, back then here at Mount Sinai, we're at like give or take, you know, 1500 years before Christ. There's a broad stroke there. About 1500 years, 1400 years before Christ. And now they are offering these sacrifices and they're very bloody and very gory with very specific, minute uh, details here. This has no uh, relevance to my life, um, but it does because if you're a Christian, it's going to, all of it will help you to understand Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice. So that's what we want to do as much as possible throughout this entire section. Well, really, all of these lessons on Leviticus is to show how it points forward to Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, atonement, holiness, all this stuff. So let's begin this first section and on introduction the what, the why, and the how of sacrifice. Lots can be said, lots is said about sacrifice. Uh, it is a really fundamental human act, what sacrifice is. It's really part of the virtue of religion. I mean, everyone, everywhere throughout the history of humanity has offered sacrifice to their gods. It's, it's fundamental for who we are to recognize that there is the divine. There's really only one God, but unfortunately through sin, uh, polytheism has creeped in pretty badly. But nevertheless, you still have this concept of offering sacrifice to the divine. So what is sacrifice? Well, the etymology is very, very helpful. So in Latin, sacrifice comes from two words, sacra and facere. Sacra means holy or sacred. You can see sacred and sacra, right? Easy word to remember. So sacra is holy and sacred and facere is to make. So literally it's to make holy or to make sacred. So in other words, it's to make something holy or sacred by offering it up to God, right? Uh, so we talked briefly, just very briefly in the last lesson about the word kadosh. The Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. We'll talk a lot about it when we get to the holiness code. But kadosh is to set apart because the people are set apart. They're being holy for a holy God. That's our title of the Bible study, right? A holy people for a holy God. God is holy other. God is holy distinct from anything that he's created. And so the people that he calls are meant to be set apart from the world for him. So to be made holy, to be made sacred is to really to set it apart by offering it up to God. All right. So that etymology, I think, gets us pretty darn far. Again, we'll talk more about Kadosh in a couple of lessons here. Then there's the big question of why have sacrifices? Like, as I said, like it's a, it's a fundamental human act. It's part of the virtue of religion. Uh, the great philosophers and theologians could break that down uh, for many, many long hours on the virtue of religion and sacrifice. We can only do some introductory remarks here. But why do we have sacrifices? Well, there's a number of considerations here that we have to keep in mind. First and foremost, like if you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, you've got this command. Well, God says, you know, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for if you do, you will die, 
right? If you disobey my command, and all of God's commands are for life, right? We, we talked all about this in the Genesis Bible study of the nature of the fall. But the command is, if you eat of the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. In Hebrew, it's, die is mentioned twice. You will die the death or you will die, die. Because the fact of the matter is sin destroys our relationship with God. Right? God is holy, 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 and we are created by God for God. And so if we rebel against the author of life through sin, we will die spiritually and physically. And that's kind of what's getting, that's kind of the point of the repetition of the word die there in Genesis 2.17. You'll die the death. You'll die, die. You'll die spiritually, which is what happened to them immediately, Adam and Eve. And then physically, physical death and suffering and pain is a result of sin. And Paul says this very clearly in Romans 6, 3, very famously, the wages of sin is death. So if you're going to commit sin, the consequences of that is death. It can only be death because, again, we're rebelling against the author of all life and, again, of all holiness. So then related to that, then the sacrificed animal. So when you offer sacrifice, that animal that is slain is a substitute in place of the sinner. The, the animal is offered on behalf of the sinner, Okay. Because you, your consequence of sin is death, but this animal is dying on your behalf, right? So we got a great quote here from your Catholic introduction to the Old Testament, your commentary I'm always wanting you to read. Great, great book. So it says, it is important first to emphasize that the basic meaning of all sacrifices of whatever kind is that of a kind of ritualized self-offering. By means of the sacrificial gift, be it bloody or unbloody, animal, food, or drink, the worshiper symbolically offers himself to God. All right, that's, a re- that's really helpful. And of course, we go to St. Thomas Aquinas, and again, he's amazing. But we're just doing introductory remarks here about what sacrifice is, why we have it. We have it because it's a ritualized self-offering. We offer ourselves in a ritual. This animal is on our behalf being offered up to God. So this animal symbolically represents us. That's why we're doing it, because we have committed sin in some kind, in some fashion, and the consequences is death, but this animal is dying on our behalf, and we are ritually offering ourselves through this animal, right? Okay, so that is one aspect to consider, and I think a lot of people really get that in terms of sacrifice. And, and honestly, I have to say, typically when you think of sacrifice and talk about sacrifice, we moderns don't really understand it because we don't really offer sacrifices in our religion, Christianity. Uh, Judaism doesn't offer sacrifices because the temple has been destroyed since the year 70 when Titus marched in and wiped it off the face of the planet. Uh, the temple has been destroyed, and they don't have sacrifices. Christianity doesn't. Um, you do, I mean, unless you're like practicing voodoo stuff and you're sacrificing chickens or whatever, uh, we really don't offer up animals on our behalf anymore. So it's, this concept is really, really foreign to us. We think of sacrifices like, oh, I'm going to offer, I'm going to offer up chocolate. I'm going to sacrifice chocolate during Lent, or I'm going to sacrifice, I don't know, television or, you know, whatever, it, whatever it might be, a sweet, something like that. I'm offering up the sacrifice or sacrificial giving, like I'm donating money to my church. It is a sacrifice that I am offering up in order to support you know, the priests or the, you know, the ministries and things like that. We tend to think of sacrifices in, in that regard, like offering up something that's dear to us. And there's a, there's something related there. Um, as, as we'll move on. So, but we're talking about here for Leviticus, sacrifice is this ritualized self-offering. It is on our behalf. And related to that is this third point, point C really in your notes. The sacrifice seals a covenant. Sacrifice is essential for sealing a covenant. And by the way, I'm leaning heavily on your Catholic Bible dictionary. There's a really great article in there called Sacrifice. Just look it up. And I'm taking a lot of great content from that. So you can read even more than what I'm sharing with you now. In that, uh, in that article, 
Um, but sacrifice seals a covenant, and a lot of people just overlook this side of the of the of the issue. So when you have a covenant between two parties, you in order to seal that covenant, there is sacrifice. And so these two parties become family. And so there's a good quote here from the article on sacrifice. It says, on the positive side, the lifeblood released from the animal victim symbolized the new relationship that bound the two parties together. And that makes sense. Just kind of pause here for a second. That makes sense. And there's a positive effect uh, that's going on where blood makes family. So when you sacrifice the animal and the animal's blood is spilt, that blood unites the two parties, whether individuals or peoples or tribes or whatever it might be, or in the case of God with his people, it's God being united with his people. So that's the positive side. And then the article goes on to say, on the negative side, the ritual slaughter of animals symbolized the curse of death that the covenant threatened to impose on any partner who dared to violate its stipulations. So the blood has a double meaning. Positive, it's like your family. That's great. We share blood. The negative side is, well, if you break the terms of the covenant, may you be slain like these animals. The, the death of the animal symbolizes the consequences of you breaking the terms of the covenant. All right, so if you remember, uh, if you uh, listen to the Bible study that we have in the audio library on Exodus, as one example, when you go to Exodus 24, you have a covenant between God and the people. Moses is the mediator, um, and he sacrifices. you got the peace offerings and burnt offerings. He sacrifices all the animals there, and they throw some of the blood on the altar, and they throw some of the blood on the people, and they're bound, like they're bound as family. And so the Moses and Aaron and the elders go up to the mountain, and they eat and drink and behold God. There's, this is a family covenantal meal that has taken place. So that's the positive side. The negative side is, Israel, if you do not uphold the terms of the covenant, which had been sworn in t- chapters 20 through 23, so the Ten Commandments and the various ordinances, then may you be slain like these animals. That's what's going on there, okay? And there's all kinds of examples as well. You can go into Genesis. There's uh, Abraham and Abimelech, I believe that's chapter 21, if I'm not mistaken. And then chapter 15, you know, God swears a covenant to Abraham saying, I swear I'll make of you a great nation. And God passes in a form of fire and smoke in between the the, the two halves of the slain animals, because he's he's ritualizing this self-maledictory oath. Like, may I, if I break my terms of the covenant, may I be slain like these animals? So God is speaking a language and and performing a ritual that Abraham would understand. So sacrifice seals covenant. That's really really instructive. All right, you can't have a covenant. You can't be made one with another person and become family and kin kinsmen with another person without sacrifice. And the same is true with God. You can't be God's adopted child without sacrifice. And ultimately, this will be fulfilled with Christ. It's the sacrifice of Jesus and the spilling of the blood of Christ through his covenant that we become adopted children, adopted sons in the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ. So all of this always leads to Jesus, okay? All right, so um, actually, I should say on that, we could connect point B and C very easily, right? So the negative side is you break the covenant, you're going to bring the curse of death upon you. Well, that's exactly what sin is. We talked about this in points A and B. Sin destroys your relationship with God, and so the animal dies on your behalf. Well, in the same way, if you break the covenant and you've sinned, well, now the animal is dying on your behalf because the consequences of sin is death. The consequences of breaking the covenant is death. And so that animal is dying on your behalf. Okay? So they're very much related. They're not, they're distinct, but they're related. All right. And then uh, number, or number, (laughs) letter D in your notes. This is also really important. 
Because for Israel, sacrifice is a repudiation of pagan idolatry. It's really all of these things. It, for Israel, sacrifice is sealing the covenant. For Israel, sacrifice is uh, the atonement for sin. But it's also a repudiation of pagan idolatry. And this is really important for understanding the multitude of mandatory sacrifices that are prescribed after the golden calf. After the golden calf, there's all kinds of sacrifices that are prescribed, as we're going to see here. Um, so, But why? Well, we haven't actually a hint about this when you look back at Moses' dialogue with Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 8. So uh, it says in uh, verses 25 and 26, here in your notes, Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said it would not be right to do so, for we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God offerings abominable to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? Okay, so this is interesting. So Pharaoh says, okay, go and sacrifice, but stay in the land. And Moses is basically saying, you know what? We're going to be sacrificing the animals that you guys worship as representations of the deities, all the gods you, you worship. So if we sacrifice these animals before your eyes, they're going to get quite upset. They're going to freak out and they're going to stone us. We need to go out of town, three days journey out of town in order to offer these sacrifices. Because what are we doing? Well, Israel over these hundreds of years, have begun to worship the, the gods of the Egyptians, right? They're worshiping the gods of the Egyptians, and they've fallen into grave idolatry and pantheism, and they need to renounce that idolatry. So when Israel sacrifices the bulls, the sheep, the lambs, the goats, they're basically saying, you're dead to me, right? You're weak and powerless. I renounce you, false gods of Egypt, and I am embracing the one true God of, of Israel, which is who, who is Yahweh, right? I am who I am. So this is going to go on throughout the rest of Israel's history. After they worship the golden calf, because they've fallen back into Egyptian idolatry, now they have to sacrifice these animals even more frequently to try to get it out of their system. Because when they go into the promised land, the Canaanites are worshiping these animals as well. And so, look, you, you've got to sacrifice them. You've got to renounce them. They are no gods to you. Be faithful to God alone. And that's a big part of it as well, Okay. So, and again, that is very important for understanding why there are so many sacrifices because God doesn't really care, as I'm going to repeat myself, I'm sure many times, God doesn't really care about the blood of animals. He's not like these pagan false gods who need, who needs meat to eat, right? And you got to feed the God because he's going to get angry or he's going to get hangry as the expression is. And then he's going to get really mad and cranky. And then he's just going to, you know, hurt you or something. No, that God is, is, is pure spirit. He's perfection itself. He doesn't need any sacrifice. The sacrifice is for the sake of Israel and for the sake of us to learn from the sacrifice of Jesus. They're for our benefit, not for God's benefit, okay? All right, and then um, letter E here, sacrifice, so sacrifice is all of these things. Certainly, it's about relationship. It's about broken relationship that must be restored. It's about protecting that relationship by renouncing idolatry. Oh, related to that about renouncing idolatry, you know, earlier I was just saying that, you know, sometimes in sacrifice, for us moderns, we're like, I'm sacrificing by giving money to the church. Well, there's something related to renouncing idolatry there too, because we tend to worship money. All right, there's the threefold concupiscence. I've talked a lot about this, especially with the fall of Adam and Eve, uh, as well as, uh, I hope I did, when talking about the sin of the golden calf, you got this presence of the threefold concupiscence, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All right, well, we can tend to worship money, right? We desire, we lust after uh, possessions. That's the lust of the eyes. And Jesus will ultimately say, you cannot serve both God and mammon, right? So by giving money away to help the poor, to help the needy, to help ministries, we are basically saying, I renounce money as my idol. I renounce money as my God. 
I am relying upon Yahweh. I'm replying, relying upon the triune God uh, to provide for all of my needs. I will trust in him, just like the Israelites had to trust in the wilderness or the manna. But I'm not going to worship this God. I'm not going to dedicate my life to this God of money. So I'm renouncing it. I'm giving it away. We do the same thing. That's kind of the point that I want to make right here. So the Israelites are repudiating their pagan idolatry by sacrificing the animals. In a similar way, we renounce our idolatry to money by giving it away. Okay? So I just didn't want to forget that point. Then there's this last point here, E, in your notes. Sacrifice also is a, can simply just be an act, a gesture of love and worship and adoration of the Almighty God, right? Because there are sacrifices that, as I'm going to share with you, express communion with God. Well, sometimes you just, we're offering a sacrifice and praise and glory of, of the divine majesty, right? Who, who has loved us and saved us and delivered us from evil or whatever the case may be. So it doesn't all have to be, you know, like, oh gosh, I've sinned and I'm, this animal is dying on my behalf or I've broken the covenant or I'm renouncing idolatry, sacrifice can just simply be a pure act of love for God as well. Okay? All right, so I hope that all makes sense. There's a lot to chew on right there. This is why we have sacrifices, and this kind of is why we've always had as a human race sacrifice, to to glorify uh, the divinity, unfortunately, that has been corrupted with paganism and pantheism. Um, but nevertheless, this is what we are as human beings. If we are honoring the first commandment, then we are honoring God through sacrifice.